Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Frank Smith about how to create a place people want to work. Smith, welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Yeah, thanks. Great to be here. It is great to have you back. I'm so excited to continue our conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about how to create a place people want to work. Uh, I can't think of many topics more important than that, Uh, especially in this economy, in this labor market. Everyone's fighting for talent, uh, and it's it's just a super interesting dynamic right now uh, with the unemployment rate and COVID and people wanting to continue working remotely and companies wanting to start bringing people back. And then we have the Delta variant. Like there's just all these different pieces, you know, that are, are playing a role uh, in, in the current labor dynamics and helping people, you know, want to be at work and, and creating a place where people want to go and show up. I think that's as important as it's ever been. Yeah. Uh, whether, whether we're talking in person, we're talking fully remote or some sort of a hybrid arrangement. So that's what we're going to discuss together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Frank's bio with everybody. Frank Smith started his career with a degree in accounting and after having a few corporate jobs, realized he was designed to lead and enjoyed the lack of structure in the entrepreneurial world. When the owner of a small manufacturing company that Frank worked at passed away suddenly, Frank had the opportunity to buy the company along with the management team. Since 1994, Frank has owned and led five businesses with his overlying passion being around creating a workplace people want to work at. When the dots got connected, that running a business by biblical principles was not only good for business, but even better for employees, Frank had found the secret to great business culture. Today, Frank runs Mosaic Personnel, which not only helps connect people to jobs that are more fulfilling, but also trains and coaches leaders and companies to create those cultures where people want to come to work. Frank is married to Heidi, they have three kids that are all out of college, and Frank enjoys car racing, golf, and traveling when he isn't working. Frank, great to have you back. Anything else you would like to share with listeners before we launch on into the conversation? Oh, I mean, you know, probably the thing that pops to my mind was a conversation I had uh, just with someone earlier today in that, you know, I've been a business owner for 29 years, and uh, what we've been through in the last 16 months or whatever Uh, is like nothing I've ever seen before. So to your point earlier about kind of how important all of this is around culture and remote work and all the different things that are going on for everybody, uh, this is probably one of the most sustained, you know, we've been through recessions and you might have six months of low business or whatever, Uh, you know, we're, we're in month, you know, 16, whatever it is by now, if you actually go back to count them all back to March of last year, 
And like you mentioned with the variants and stuff like that, I'm, I'm not sure how much longer we still have to go. So uh, I think all of this is bringing a lot of important topics uh, to the top of the, you know, the conversation uh, that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the marketplace. Yeah, I think it really will. And yeah, I think we all would have loved to be done with COVID by now. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember having conversations last, you know, late summer last year and early fall last year thinking, yeah, we're getting close. Yeah. Um, and oh my goodness, you know, with, with the variants and people, you know, not wanting to get vaccinated and everything like that, it's, it's, it's just lingering. And so it's something we're going to continue to have to grapple with. And I think one thing we've learned throughout the pandemic uh, is that the technologies we have to promote and facilitate foster, you know, a, a dynamic remote work environment are here to stay and they're only getting better and better. And many people have now had a taste of what it's like to have that kind of flexibility and autonomy. And so I, I think, uh, you know, we're even last year, I thought, you know, we're never going back to the way it was before. But, you know, a year later, I'm thinking, yeah, we really are never going back. Um, companies are wanting to bring people back. People don't want to go back. Uh, and due to the labor market, you know, people have choices and they can kind of do whatever they want. And so uh, organizations have to grapple with all of that. It's just going to be super interesting to see how it all plays out uh, moving forward. Uh, so, so let's set the groundwork here and, and talk about the foundational principles around creating a place people want to work. Again, whether it's face-to-face, -face, whether it's virtual, whether it's right. hybrid, you know, what are some of those kind of general principles that everyone should be paying attention to, especially now? Yeah. So where I always go to is the, you know, I like to keep things simple. And so my brain can usually handle like lists of three or lists of four uh, in my life. And so, you know, where I've narrowed down on this is to create a place people want to come to work on Monday morning. Uh, if you're a leader, if you'll accomplish three things you're going to take care of 90% of the issues that are created in the workplace. Those three things are setting clear expectations, listening to people, and recognizing them for the work that they do. And if I'm doing that as a leader, I'm creating what people want. What people really want in the workplace is a sense of belonging. They want a place where they are you know, working on something bigger than themselves where they're, they can see. And so I'm, if I'm setting those clear expectations in my company with our purpose statement, and here's what we're about, I can accomplish those and connect you to something that's bigger than yourself. But I want to have some autonomy in the way I do work. I want to be able to experiment and learn some things on my own. And so I have to, as a leader, provide that through listening uh, and to recognizing you for the work that you do do and giving feedback when it may be, uh, it's either grid or it's not good, but, you know, connecting and interacting with people is the basis of all of this. And, you know, when you look back in your life and you think about the people who made an impact on you, they were people that invested in you. They were people that believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself, maybe, or whatever. That might've been a parent, uh, might've been a coach. It might've been a friend's parent, uh, depending on the situation. That's what people want in their boss too. And so as a leader, I can go a long way in creating a place where you want to come to work if I can just take care of those things by investing my time, listening to you, uh, recognizing you for the work that you did and helping connect your personal goals with the company's personal goals. 
I mean, leadership is all about what I call dream alignment. And if this is where the company is trying to get to, and if I can show you how you connect to that goal, and it also gets you where you want to go along the way, man, we're in this together. And we're just, we're going to bust down any walls that we come across in order to get there. So, yeah, I, I think those three elements are really vital. And certainly we all want to, we all want to have a sense of why we're there, what we're trying to accomplish, how we're going to be held accountable, uh, and how we're going to be supported, and how we and how we go about doing our work. And that sounds super simple, uh, and it, I suppose it is super simple. Yeah. Yet it 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 doesn't happen. It doesn't happen so often in the vast majority of of situations people find themselves in. That's why, you know, you you go to a party and want to have a fun like gripe session. Just ask people like, what's the worst place you ever worked, or who is describe <laughs> your worst boss. People have stories up the wazoo. There, nobody's grappling to try to figure out like, oh, can I think of a time I had a, a negative workplace environment? Um, we have tons of examples. And it's not because people are horrible people. It's not because leaders wake up in the morning wanting to go to work and screw over their employees uh, and exploit and take advantage of people. I think most people, most leaders, most managers, they, they want to do well. They want to uh, be do right by their people. They want to lead uh, good, effective teams. They want success and they want, uh, and they recognize that they need to do that through their people. Yet it doesn't happen. It doesn't get like moved from understanding it conceptually in the head to actually uh, the daily practices, the daily actions and behaviors of the, the manager or the leader. And so I, I asked myself that question uh, often, like, why? Why is that the case? Why, you know, so many people listen to podcasts like this, or they go to management training, or they have an executive coach, uh, and they hear these things over and over again, yet the patterns persist, the negative patterns persist. So why do you think that is the case? Why do you think so many leaders who are well-intentioned struggle to implement some of these pretty basic, simple principles that could make a huge difference? Yeah. So, uh, I agree with your comment earlier. It is simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, and our selfishness takes over. You know, the time it takes to really build a relationship with someone in your organization, the time it takes to listen to them, the effort that it takes to listen to them, most people won't invest that amount of time. I mean, I've been doing executive coaching for over eight years now, and I can just see my clients kind of fog over when I tell them the amount of time they need to spend with their individual employees. I mean, I had one guy I sat in a meeting with and he tried to tell me that he was he was a really good manager because he tried to spend at least 15 minutes a month with each one of his direct uh, reports and he only had six. And I'm like, that's terrible. What do you have 15 minutes a month? I mean, you know, you need to be spending 30 to 60 minutes a week with your direct reports in order to build that relationship, in order to really listen, uh, you know, I mean, most conversations, when you, when you think about conversations with your spouse or with a good friend, you know, the real meaty stuff doesn't come in the first 15 minutes. The real meaty stuff comes in minute 38, minute 42. It's like, hey, before we wrap up, you know, or right at the end of a meeting and you're like, oh my gosh, that was the jewel that we were waiting for for 45 minutes. Let's schedule another meeting and now talk about the issue that we finally got to, you know, we're in such a rush. And I think, you know, some of it is, and I know you can't stereotype everybody that the academic world doesn't teach this stuff for the most part. 
you know, and then there's books out there that talk about efficient time use and, you know, the four hour work week, the four hour work week is stupid. You know, I mean, if you're going to be the leader people want to work for and create a place people really want to work, you can't spend that little bit amount of time engaging with your team. My team needs to know that I'm going to be in the office. My team needs to know how to connect with me remotely if they need me. I need to be available for my team. And it's really selfish of me if I'm trying to cram my work week into four hours or some, you know, because I got to get to the golf course or whatever the case is. You know, if that's what you want, don't get into leadership. And so I think it really boils down to, you know, A, we weren't taught that. B, we taught things the wrong way for a long time. But now we know better. And we know that in the world we live in today, people need to have time with their boss. They want to have that interaction to build trust. And if you don't give it to them, I, I think that's why millennials get a bad, you know, rap in the workplace. You know, people are like, oh, they'll leave in the heartbeat. They'll leave for better leadership is what they'll leave for. Because they saw their parents, those they saw their parents put up with crappy leadership, and it didn't get their parents anywhere because they still got laid off or they still had you know heart heartburn and whatever because their boss didn't treat them well, and they're just not willing to endure that much pain. And I don't blame them, and they should leave for better leadership. And so you know that that's what it boils down to. I think is just leaders tend to be selfish. Patrick Lencioni put out a great book about the motive of why are you a leader? And if you're a leader, because you think it's a reward for the past 20 years worth of work you've done, you're probably going to be a crappy leader. If you're a leader, because you want to serve people and you want to help people accomplish their goals, people sign up to work with that guy all the time. Yeah. Amen. I, I, I think um, most leaders, again, you know, they, they have good intentions. Not everyone, though. Some people really are in leadership simply for their ego, uh, for the power. Uh, I, I was in a meeting once with with someone. We were describing like the why, what the why of your work. Um, you know, Simon Sinek's famous book. Uh, yep. why, why do you do what you do? And everyone was going around the room and talking about like these inspirational whys that drive them. And then this one person who happened to be, you know, a senior leader in the organization said, I love power. <laughs> I, I, I love exerting power over people. I'm like, huh, well, that was an honest response, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's super telling. And it's also interesting that nobody likes to work with that person. Uh, and everyone feels like that person's a bully and, and so, so forth. So, you know, I, I think most leaders aren't like that though. Most leaders want to do right by their people, but it becomes either an issue of uh, the selfishness, like you were saying, but I would even soften it a little bit for the majority of people. I think they, it's just a matter of priority and prioritizing. And if I don't know any better, if I don't know any different, and I've just seen other leaders behave this way and they run their team this way, what am I going to do when I find myself in that position? I'm going to run my team the same way I've, I've seen it modeled for me over the years. And if I've never learned anything different, or I've never had an opportunity to experience anything different, of course, I'm going to perpetuate you know, and, and continue the cycle of just bad leadership. Um, even if you think, you know, you're, you're trying to do better. Uh, and so there's just so much opportunity for us to just do the basic fundamentals, the simple little things daily on a continual basis. Uh, and if we can focus on those things, uh, you know, just, just mutual accountability and trust with your people, getting to know your people, understanding what drives them, what's their why, uh, how do you connect their, their passions, their, their vision, their meaning and purpose with the company's vision and mission and purpose.
I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Just those types of conversations uh, on a regular basis go a really, really long way. And to your point, you know, sometimes that means you're having formal one-on-one meetings with people. Sometimes it's just creating an environment, an opportunity where you can have those casual encounters with people. Uh, if you have a virtual team or a hybrid team, you know, just making sure that they know you're accessible. Like, you, you know, hop on a Teams meeting, hop on a Zoom meeting, have a chat, you know, call me on the phone, text me, uh, Slack, whatever. Uh, there's so many ways to communicate. Just communicate, communicate with yeah. people more uh, more regularly. And I think your point about millennials is spot on. Millennials and even more so with Gen Z um, individuals now entering the workforce. Yeah. They know better. They know. And I, I, I will say, because I'm a university professor, I think we do a much better job um, now than happened like when I was going through school and how I was taught in management and leadership programs versus how we do things now. I think our students are coming out of the university which I'm, with a much higher expectation and understanding of like what good leadership, good management looks like. They're just simply not willing to put up with it. They're not willing to put up with a tyrant boss, a jerk boss. They're not willing to put up with someone who's not willing to invest in them, who's not willing to, to mentor and coach and support them and help them develop. Uh, and I think that's actually a pretty reasonable thing. So if, if, if you have a constant churn of millennials and Gen Z workers who just seem to be leaving your organization, you need to ask yourself why. Uh, there's a reason they don't want to stay. And research shows that the most common reason is that, you know, their boss creates an environment that's not psychologically safe and it's not a positive environment for them to be. They don't want to show up and they'd rather go somewhere else. And it's sometimes it's about pay, but usually it's not. Usually it's about some of those other intrinsic factors that we've already kind of been referring to. Yeah, pay usually shows up fourth or seventh on the list, somewhere down in that range. This is why I love conversations like this, because I appreciate you mentioning the point uh, that the current students coming out of university uh, do have a different expectation, because that's I think that's a fair point that uh, they are being taught more what good leadership looks like versus, I mean, again, I graduated from college 33, 34 years ago, whatever it is at this point, I promise you, I never had that taught in a class. And so I think that that is a great distinction to make and also a level of the frustration because these uh, young adults are coming out into the workplace 
with this expectation of what they were taught and they're meeting up with people my age who were taught something completely different and that, well, that's soft. If you get to know your people, you know, don't be a soft leader. That's, you know, we call them soft skills. And that's the hardest part of the job is the soft skills uh, if you dive into it. So I think that's an interesting distinction to make uh, generationally uh, what we were taught, what I, what I think of when I think of what the academic community is putting out is, you know, outdated. Uh, Thanks for making me feel old. Uh, but no but I think that's important for me to be aware of as well so I I love the learning that I'm getting out of this conversation as well that you know they're coming out with a different expectation than what I was taught I mean I I came from the the time period when it was you know don't get to know the people you work for because when you have to fire them it'll just make it that much harder and it's just like that's just stupid (laughs) (laughs) that yeah that's a good example of something that really is just stupid uh and those types of those cultural myths, uh, I'll call them, uh, these, these assumptions uh, that persist, you know, we need to dismantle that stuff. Um, and, and I think slowly but surely we are. Uh, and, and some of it is generational. Some of it is just, you know, preference and style. And it's true. Some people like to be led differently. Some, I don't know many people like this, but I, I've seen them in the past that, you know, there's some people really do like a more of a command, command control leadership yeah. style. You know, I, that's not for me. I would never want to be uh, working for someone like that, but I get it. Like, so there, there are, there context, I guess, is really important. So we need to recognize context. We need to understand who we're working with. Sometimes it's generational. Sometimes it's just situational or um, just, pr- you know, preference, which speaks to the point. Like you need to know your people. If you know yeah. your people, then you can cater to their needs in the way that they like to be led the most. Uh, and, you know, that hopefully doesn't sound like rocket science to anybody. Um, no, it, but it takes a lot of time. I mean, it, it again, I think that individual approach, I mean, I've had individuals that have worked for me in the past that if I gave them a list of things to do today, they would execute flawlessly. If I just leave them at their desk to come up with that list they will sit there all day and not know what to do because they need somebody to give them that list. There's nothing wrong with that. I just need to know either I need to create that list or someone else in my organization needs to create that list for them. And then they're going to be fantastic at executing on that list. And so I need to know them well enough to realize what's the problem here. Hey, they're not getting anything done, but they're not just lazy. They just don't know how to create the list. So let's create the list for them and get the benefit of all that work that they'll do to knock that list out. And so that's where I think we get Anytime you try to cram everybody through the same system, that's why our public school systems only work for about 70% of the population. That's why our medical system really only works well for about 70% of the population, because there's always that 30% that need that individual care and they don't learn this way or they don't this or that, this medication doesn't work for them. I mean, you know, I've experienced that in my own life of, you know, well, this, this medicine always works. Well, it doesn't work for me you know, what else you got? Well, I don't know. This has always worked. It's like, okay, I need someone that's going to try to figure this out for me. And so uh, we do the same thing in our work environment. If we try to have one policy that works for everybody in the organization, 30% of the organization's not going to feel spoken to or listened to or whatever, they're going to end up leaving. And that turnover costs you a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of stress and anxiety. I mean, <laughs> it, it really just saps uh, the energy out of a good team. And so you want some continuity and you, and you 
you create that, you develop that just by having a, a dynamic environment where people actually like to, to show up to work. Um, in our last little bit of time together, let's uh, talk about perhaps any nuances you see uh, if we're talking about traditional physical workplace environment versus fully remote distributed workforce versus hybrid. Yeah, wow. There's a two hour conversation we could have on that. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the biggest thing from a leader's standpoint, back to the same you know topic, if I'm going to spend the time it takes I like in-person because it's easier to have some of those impromptu meetings. If we're working remote, I've got to schedule a Zoom call with you at a certain time, and it's harder to read you over a Zoom call. Uh, if it's in person, I can see your body language better, and I can go, something's off here. Let's pull this person in and find out what's going on. Zoom makes that harder, in my mind, to do that. You can still see it, but it, you have to be even that much more fine-tuned looking for what's off there today or what's working well or whatever. And so I think the, the Zoom stuff, leaders just have to know, you've cameras on, you know, I need to see you. I need to be able to read whether you're doing okay or not, and then schedule a separate zoom call and say, Hey, what's going on? You know, it seems like, you know, your lower energy or something seems off for you. And, and I've had those conversations with people on my team while we've been working from home during different stages of the pandemic. Uh, and I find I probably work an hour and a half to two hours more a day trying to keep up with my team on Zoom, whereas I can walk through the office and get a pretty quick read uh, in a way that I can't on Zoom. So that's probably the thing that I see for leaders that's the hardest part is to really, if you're trying to engage with your team, it, it's harder to tell over Zoom. And especially when the tendency I see with a lot of places is cameras off. And now all I'm hearing is your voice. And I'm supposed to tell whether you're doing okay just by your voice. Boy, if I'm not a trained, you know, person in that I'm going to miss a lot of cues and you're not going to be as good. The other thing that I'll mention real quick is that I've seen with a handful of people that, that are introverted that have been working from home for a long time. I'm not an expert or whatever. My hunch is though, I think they're more introverted now since they've been working from home uh, and it's not necessarily helping them in their own mental well-being and I believe we're built for community and whether or not you're introverted or extroverted, you still need people in your life. And so if you're working remote, you've got to be aware of that and make sure that you're engaging with people and not just clicking into a meeting, making a quick decision and then clicking off and being out. Uh, relationships can still be formed with Zoom and with telephone calls and they need to because I think that's how we're at our best as people. Even if you're introverted, you still need people. You just have to have some time away from them to get yeah. recharged. Uh, I'm introverted, but I spend my whole day with people and I just need my evenings to get recharged. Uh, but we're designed to be around people. And so in office or remote, you've got to make time for that. Yeah, yeah. We're social animals. Uh, human beings need community. There's no question about that. And most people, when we talk about introverts, extroverts, it's not like a dichotomy, it's a spectrum. And so yeah. pe people fall somewhere along the spectrum and, and uh, some people need a little bit more than others, uh, you know, but ultimately people need people. And so I, I think it is a challenge in trying to navigate that and trying to, as a leader, trying to make sure that like the mental well-being, the mental health, the, the, the social uh, and intellectual well-being of my people are being met you know, when they're remote, because over time, 
you know, that could start to not only impact their performance in the bottom line of the company and, you know, the, the, the value your team is offering, but it certainly get, can hurt the individual. And we want to, to look out for that and support our people in all aspects of their lives uh, so that they can be successful. Uh, and ultimately, you know, I'm an introvert too. I would say, you know, I definitely fall on that end of the spectrum, um, but it does depend. Like it depends on the context I'm in. Like in some cases, I really enjoy being around people and I don't even feel that drain from it, but in other situations I do. And so, and I'm, I'm inclined when I'm in a Zoom meeting, you know, especially if there's a lot of people there, like not only do I have my camera off, but I have it muted and I only chime in at once at every blue moon, you know, and otherwise I'm just kind of sitting there listening. And obviously that's not going to provide that social connection uh, that, that people need. Uh, so just be thoughtful about that. I think it's even more challenging when we're talking about some people being in work all the time, some people being distributed and remote all the time, and then having others who are hybrid and kind of mix and match. Um, that, that, I, I think we as leaders are going to have to try to figure that out. We're going to have to try to figure out how to balance the connection piece, the productivity piece, the innovation piece, uh, and support our people effectively uh, without getting completely overwhelmed by it ourselves. Uh, but ultimately it comes back to those fundamentals you mentioned right at the beginning of our conversation today. It's not rocket science. It's not, um, it's not super complex, but it's, it is difficult because it takes consistent, concerted, sustained effort over time. Uh, and anytime you talk about sustained anything, that's hard. Uh, and so we, we just need to start today, make a commitment to ourselves and to our people that we're gonna do this uh, set up an accountability structure for yourself to make sure that you're doing it. And pretty soon it will become a habit and you'll start, I, I'm, I'm convinced anyone listening, if, if you're not doing the things we've been talking about, you, you start doing them and do them, you know, consistently over time in the next couple of months, you're going to see huge, vast changes and improvements uh, with your team. I'm completely convinced of that. Uh, and so it's just a matter of committing to it and, and prioritizing it so that we're giving the time to it. Yeah, the, the thing that I'll kind of wrap up my comment with, uh, and I learned it from Zig Ziglar, who was the Simon Sinek of my day, uh, and he always said, you can have everything you want if you help enough other people get what they want, and that is the bottom line to good leadership. That's what this is all about. If I'm caring about you and helping you get what you want, you're going to work and you're going to help me accomplish what the company needs to accomplish because you're going to feel engaged, you're going to feel listened to, and you're going to want to do something that's bigger than yourself. And that's how that gets accomplished. Amen. Well said, Frank. It has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I uh, really appreciate all of your insights. Before we wrap on up, I just want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about the work you're doing and, and how your team can help them. Yeah, sure. So uh, the easiest place to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. Uh, I put out a video series called Driving Happiness at Work. I uh, usually try to have about a 60 second video uh, that talks about business culture and kind of one thing that you need to be focused on to help be a better leader, better business culture. Uh, so always happy to help reach out to people and give them my thoughts on what can help a situation. So if you have any concerns or questions in your workplace, just reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, hey, I've got this situation. What would you do? I'm happy to respond to that kind of a question uh, for people and love getting to do that. So, Wonderful. Thank you, Frank. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Frank and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.
the alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.